0: This piece was brought to you by Roberta's, robertaspizza.com.
1: This week on Meetin 3, we're getting semantic to understand the deeper meaning behind some of the foods we love. First, we'll look at the big debate happening around the word milk.
2: Who the hell are you to tell me what is the name of my product and my landscape and everything we've cared about when, you know, you don't have anything invested in except to put out a little money to buy it? (laughs) It's our entire life.
1: Then we get the lowdown on the language of cider. So the first thing that's really confusing about dryness is that it has nothing to do with how something actually feels in your mouth. And finally, we get our fill of tiki talk.
3: You don't walk into a tiki bar like, oh yeah, this is what Polynesia is probably like. Like it's it's supposed to be like fantasy and stuff. That's the hard part. It's so easy to do tiki bad, and that's where it gets a bad name.
1: Tune into this week's episode of Meat and Three. That's M E A T plus sign T H R E E. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. I'm Kat Johnson, the Communications Director at Heritage Radio Network, and I am joined by my co-host, Katie Moswin-Wadler, as always.
0: Hey, Kat. Happy 420.
1: Happy 420.
0: It's that day.
1: It is. It's we definitely have that day. a
0: thematic episode today. We do. We
1: do. Bonus.
0: We have a whole team in the studio with us today. Um, we have got our brand-newest intern, Rory White. Welcome, Rory. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> we have our program manager Hannah Forden joining
2: us. Happy 420, you guys. <laughs> she's beaming. It's a national holiday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we have our studio engineer Amanda Wang. Hello, hello. And we have special guest Priya Krishna also joining us today. Okay. Just she's been here.
1: here. She's been here <laughs> since like Thursday. Just hanging out. She's just, just moving just in. Camping out. Here. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. It's good. We'll stay for pizza. Yeah.
0: Yes. exactly. Uh, And some other uh, special guests, uh, one of whom is furry and wagging her tail, and some extra special guests to join us for today's
1: theme. We do. Um, Our extra special guest of honor today is Chris Joseph, the the founder and CEO of the Portland-based Wild Root Spirit and wild with a Y, Wild Canna. Welcome, Chris.
3: Hi there. Thank you for having us.
1: Um, So Chris, tell us what brings you to New York and um, what's new in the world of Wild both y, with a Y and with an I.
3: Yes. Well, thank you for having us again. Uh, we came out here to share all of our great products with you. So we brought some of our gummies and some of our spirits, and so we can share some of our story. Um, but, yes, we're a Pacific Northwest distillery, most known for our fruit-infused vodkas, and we also have similar company with the edibles, with THC and CBD.
1: And I became familiar with the um, edibles last fall. Um when we traveled to portland and i was very excited to hear from uh you guys and i'm excited to hear the story behind the products because they're beautiful and eye-catching and delicious and now i'm i want to i want to know most
0: beautiful packaging i've yeah. ever seen thank you on these products
1: absolutely so yeah i can't wait to get in into like the story behind it so uh we're gonna do that in just a minute but first we have a quick announcement to make we have an event coming up yes we do um you may have
0: seen it in the new york times food section this week if you are into that kind of thing what up thank you florence fabricant uh for picking up the story we are hosting our good friend lou bank uh friday april twenty-sixth. i had to remember that we we're still in april yes we are april 26th at 6 30 until eight o'clock It is called So You Think You Know Mezcal, and uh, if you know Lou, you know that he brings back incredible and rare agave expressions from his frequent trips to Oaxaca. They come in hand-labeled bottles um, that he has carried back in his suitcase. Really, really special things to try. He brings all the stories. We are having it in the upstairs of El Cortez, just around the corner from here at Roberta's and around the corner from our office. It's going to be beautiful. Uh, so you're going to have all kinds of tastes of incredibly rare agave spirits and uh, order a tiki drink while you're there. Get some huge and amazing nachos while you're there. And there's gonna an alligator be really fun. on the wall. Yeah. What's not to love? So please join us. Tickets are on Eventbrite, or you can go to heritageradionetwork.org slash sacred, because Sacred is the name of Lou's nonprofit organization that promotes the well-being of Agave Spirits producers in Oaxaca. So good. heritageradionetwork.org
1: slash sacred. We will see you there. Tickets are going fast, so by the time the show airs, maybe there won't be any left. So if there aren't, sorry, there's a wait list. If there are, buy them now. While they last. Okay, uh now we have a few headlines for you. So Katie, take it away.
0: Okay, so since we're gonna be talking a bit about cannabis on today's show, we have a few other episodes to recommend on that subject. First up, episode 346 of the Farm Report, Say Hello to Hemp, is about the interesting role hemp has played in American history. Did you know that the Declaration of Independence was drafted on hemp paper, for instance? In this episode, Lisa Held talks to Joy Beckerman, she's the president of the Hemp Industries Association, about the growing market for hemp, get it? (laughs) And also to Tara Caton of the Rodale Institute's Hemp Trial about hemp's many benefits in farming.
2: And another thematic recommendation for you on episode 115 of Eating Matters, uh, quote-unquote, not-so-high times... Generally, it talks to journalist Lisa Gill about the explosion of CBD products in recent times. Um, Gill is an expert in the public health and drug field and the deputy editor of Consumer Reports. Um, and she has covered the issue extensively. So check that out.
0: Also, I'm going to jump in here with, um, if you did get your interest piqued by the reference to High Times, you can go back in the archive on Heritage Radio Network to hear the full 250 episodes of Arts and Seizures hosted by none other than Mike Edison, former longtime
1: editor-in-chief of High Times. That's a good recommendation. Uh, We also have an episode of Meet in Three to Recommend. Our episode 16, The Grass is Greener, was focused on that sweet, sweet Mary Jane. From the recreational use of marijuana and new efforts to legalize in states across the country to the resurgence of hip farming in the American South, weed seems like it's here to stay. All right. Um, Okay, so back to Chris. Uh, Chris, when did you start Wild Canna? Well, first of all, was Wild Canna the first uh, endeavor or was it Wild Root Spirits?
3: I started Wild Roots first. So that was in college back in 2013 is when we launched.
1: You
0: started in college.
3: Yes. So I was technically uh, 21. um, (laughs) Technically
0: (laughs) 21.
3: Uh. Yes. (laughs) 20, 21. (laughs) But the brand did launch when I was 23.
1: Okay. Right. Um, What made you decide that that was going to be the business you would go into Distilling.
3: I knew I wanted to start a business. I had no idea it'd be liquor and cannabis. Um, it just when I looked at the market itself with alcohol, you know, um, distilling and creating a product was more of a hobby at the time. But when I actually looked at the market and looked at it on a commercial uh, perspective, there really wasn't an all-natural uh, fruit-infused vodka with our proof and with our color. So I saw a hole in the market, even though it's one of the most oversaturated markets in the world. I, I ended up finding a hole in that, mm. and. Um, you know there's a whole group of people that appreciate an honest, true and real product and so that's what we're about with wild roots.
1: So talk a little bit more about that. So you're you're making fruit infused vodkas. Why why was there an, a niche uh for you to go into making these with like fruits in a way that weren't the flavored vodkas that you see like at the package store
3: you know right you know so the vodka market itself is is very very saturated so you can find vodkas that are whipped cream you can (laughs) find some that are cotton
1: candy cotton candy
3: (laughs) cake batter there's a lot of different ones but um i grew up in the northwest that's where i'm from from so wild roots roots being my roots um i really wanted to create a product and a brand in a company that tied back to that and one of the best ways I could do that was creating a product with the, the with the flavors of that's in our backyard. Mm-hmm. So raspberries, marionberries, which are Oregon blackberries, um, pears, cranberries, they all grow wild right in our backyard. So I wanted to utilize our natural resources and create a handcrafted product with those.
0: Did you have a culinary background in Did high it. school and college?
3: No, I went to school for business management and finance. Mm-hmm. So was what? More
0: um, how did you kind of develop your palette at a pretty young age around <laughs> creating these products, which are and very, uh, you know, very elegant and, and nothing like the uh, cotton candy vodka or the bacon vodka or many other um, vodka did you just say bacon vodka?
4: There oh my gosh, Regret, <laughs> is. <laughs> regret is the is the sound
0: of my voice right That's now. That's a real thing.
3: <laughs> There's a yeah. salmon vodka too.
0: Salmon. That but, I can get. Behind. That actually sounds better.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if you make them in Bloody Marys, I heard they're good.
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. We. I, I do not recommend the bacon vodka straight under any circumstances. You <laughs> will cry, and uh, you can never untaste that. <laughs> yeah. But so yeah. So back to Chris. So how mm-hmm. how did you come up with sort of this very elegant and and nuanced palette that you did um when kind of the competition were these kind of
3: fakie right flavors Mm. yeah so honestly my job was pretty easy in creating a new product um and creating wild roots flavors and that's because we're very true to the fruit itself we don't use any artificial flavoring or coloring so for me when i want to create say a a raspberry vodka we just use raspberries with our vodka it's actually fairly fairly simple to that you don't have to put a bunch of different flavors to create a raspberry when the fruit itself is perfect as is.
0: So, so that, so putting when you're like, okay, raspberry, vodka, raspberries and vodka, um, that sounds like, uh, a great idea, but not necessarily an earth shattering, um, (laughs) one for like using the actual fruit to derive the flavor. So why was that an open, well, like, why was that the blue ocean and why, um, were you the first to do that? And I feel like there's maybe a little more innovation here, In what you're doing
3: right you know when you look at the market um, a lot of the big players what they wanted to do and what they continue to do is create products that have the highest margins and so flavoring and chemicals to create a raspberry vodka it's it's actually quite simple and it's very cheap Uh Um, and there's definitely a market for that but for what we want to do is we wanted to create a premium product Um, and using real ingredients we're able to capture that so to me, um, there's no other way to create a raspberry vodka uh, without using real raspberries. To me, if, you're gonna, if you want to buy a raspberry vodka, there should be real raspberries in that. Um, and I think it's just really going back to the basics. So when you look at products, sometimes people overcomplicate it or overthink it um, where we really just stick to the basics and let the fruit do the work for us.
0: How much fruit are we talking? A in lot. a seven hundred and fifty mil bottle, say is that is that the default size for the raspberry vodka? Right.
3: Yes. Yeah. So there's close to two pounds of berries in every bottle. Wow. Right. So we make batches. We make small batches, about a hundred cases of, tw- and there's twelve bottles per case. So each batch has over twenty four hundred pounds of berries.
2: So it's good for you. Well, like like I healthy.
3: Won't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can't make any health
3: claims. I can't but stand behind it.
2: Uh-huh.
1: But, <laughs> but we can, we can make say it that on your it's breath. like fruit salad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. So. Let's kind of talk about timeline. So when like what year was it when you started the the vodka business?
3: So we officially launched in 2013.
1: Cool. And then we also have this beautiful bottle of gin here. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us about the gin?
3: So the gin, um, that was our first product outside of vodka that we decided to launch. Um, Our holding company, I do want to launch more spirits. Vodka is just the start for us, so I do want to get into whiskey Mm -hmm. um, and gin being one of them. And that was a great test for us and so we already have a great brand with wild roots and with the gin product we really wanted to create a product that is for all the gin fans it's very clean it's very crisp it's straightforward and it's really meant for the gin lovers
0: Mm -hmm. how did you start taking the products to market was this like a farmer's market thing was this through a distributor how did you first start off
3: so we first launched at the portland berry festival
0: our products in oregon
3: in Oregon, we're unique where we can actually sell and sample products at farmer's markets, at mm-hmm. festivals, at events. And so we took advantage of that. We, we sampled and we sold at the Berry Festival, and then we went out to farmer's markets and started selling there. Cool. Yeah.
1: Okay, so then how much later after 2013 did you get into um, the cannabis industry with Wild?
3: Right, that was three years, three years later. So okay. right when it became legalized in Oregon, that's when we um, decided to launch Wild.
1: And why did that... Why did you decide to do that?
3: You know, it's not every, not every, um, is not a, a really a category that becomes legalized for the first time in, in people's lives. And that's something that I really couldn't pass up on.
0: Mm-hmm. So something we've been hearing a lot about is major liquor brands um, investing in cannabis mm-hmm. products. Um, and a, a lot of the reasoning we hear for that is, um, you know, the big, huge umbrella brands are um, worried that recreational marijuana is going to take the place of recreational alcohol use um so you know it kind of makes sense as like this big strategy that there's this huge investment going on but i think it's kind of cool that you guys as um, you know a a fairly young company were making a similar move and i wonder like did you confront that question do you think that's a real thing you know at this point like i'm not so sure that that there's like that replacement economics going on i'd love to know your thoughts
3: You know, I've I've definitely read up on a lot of that, and that's a good point. Um, And I think that there will always be a time and place for alcohol. Um, And there will always be a time and place for cannabis. And it really comes down to these products being recreational and using it in more of a social setting. And so there's always going to be a time where you're drinking wine, um, whether it's wine, beer, or spirits, and there's going to be a time for cannabis. But you do see some consumers leaning more towards cannabis just because, yeah, you can have an edible or, or smoke a joint when you go to bed and not feel like you're waking up in the morning feeling bloated or hungover. So um, I do see some of those trends um, leaning, that, leaning that way, yes.
1: Yeah. Um, and then can we talk a little bit about the design? Well, I'll, before we get to that, actually, I would love to know, in deciding to go into cannabis, what was the thought process in deciding that you were going to pursue similar flavors? In the edibles that you have in the vodkas?
3: Um, you know, Wild was also built upon uh, the roots of the Pacific Northwest. So it's a Pacific Northwest company. And so we utilize the fruits just like we used a lot utilize the Wild Roots ones too. So the raspberries, the Marionberries, um, those were go-tos for us.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you have specific farms that you work with or do you grow your own berries for your own use or...
3: I wish I wish I grew them all for my own <laughs> use, but um, as we continue to grow, it's becoming harder to source directly with one farm. But mm-hmm. um, with our cranberries, we do uh, source those directly from Johnson Creek Farms in Bandon, Oregon. So it's a little coastal town nice. uh, that's very known for their their cranberries. Cool.
2: So they're still all all locally based. Right. That's lovely.
3: Yeah. yeah. For those cranberries, yeah.
1: And then, in the case of both the spirits and the the edibles business, and then you're about to do sparkling beverages as well since you don't necessarily come from the background of distilling or um you know a culinary background what's your process in deciding like i'm going to do this and then who do you go to to help you figure out how to make these things
3: yeah so when we do have a new idea on whether it's a new flavor or a new product or category um we've built a great team around us both in the in the liquor side and the cannabis side so it's really a collective help. Um, and getting everyone's minds and backgrounds and knowledge together and creating that product and making sure that um, we have the consumers at mind during the whole time. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure we have the best experience for every consumer.
1: Um, and why did you decide specifically to go into, like, making gummies and not, like, chocolate or other edibles that people tend to enjoy? Or, like, tinctures. Yeah.
3: Right. Well, we do have a line of chocolates, so we have some white chocolate options, Um, but gummies specifically, mostly because they're they're delicious (laughs) (laughs) and pretty. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Other than that, I mean, they do a good job of masking the taste of cannabis. So when you consume something, you definitely want to enjoy what you're consuming. So that was a large, large part of it, too. And then overall, the the categories of gummies is uh, the largest by far.
1: Yeah. interesting. and then are you carried in other states, like the, the THC Gummy specifically, are they carried in other states besides uh, Washington?
3: Um, so we launched in Oregon, and with, with cannabis, you cannot cross state lines oh, okay. with it. So um, we have been, over the last year, building out different facilities. So we just launched in California. Uh, we just uh, launched in Nevada, too. And then we are launching in Colorado and Michigan. Cool. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. So will you, will you have the full line of products in the new states as well um and like is that production process like pretty transferable do you like it, this is maybe like a not that educated question but do you go through like a co-packer
3: um, um so we we definitely avoid doing co-packing okay. um we don't license our rights to our brand we definitely want to take full control so we can have mm-hmm. a consistent and high quality product mm-hmm. so we want to be responsible for all that um we I built a great team that can support that. But yes, we have to build out separate facilities, and there's a lot of logistical nightmares that are sometimes not thought about. So we can't ship the same oil across state lines. We have to find new suppliers for those in every state that we operate in. And then it's wow. not just that, it's also training a whole new staff for production, yeah. uh, shipping, receiving, accounting. It's a lot of different pieces that are all variable that, that um, some people don't take into consideration.
0: How are you at delegating?
3: That is something I've had to learn to do, you know. (laughs) At one time, I was the janitor. I was the (laughs) admin. I was just about everything. So um, now I'm more of the person who does a lot of the paperwork. Mm -hmm. Um, So as we grow, it's just a natural thing that I have to learn to delegate more. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard. (laughs) That's (laughs) true. Yeah. And then, so we have some of the CBD gummies here. And is it, they're going to be available nationwide soon or they are now?
3: Yes. So our website will be live next month and you can purchase those online and um, that's available just about every state. So it is a national brand.
1: Cool. And then, yeah, like I wanted to get into the design talk a little bit because both the spirits and the gummies and everything have like beautiful boxes and um, artwork on them. Um, How did that come to be and who did you work with to develop like the look and feel of the products?
3: Yeah, we've worked with a few different firms, and it's definitely changed over time. Um, but we did have a graphic designer and an artist actually um, paint all of our illustrations. So those are all specifically made for our products. We wanted to own the IP of that one. But the design really was um, trying to showcase the real fruit itself, trying to speak of the high-quality product itself. And so you know, it's definitely very hard to stand out off on the shelf, especially with the liquor. So we wanted something that popped and, and really spoke upon our product.
0: Can you talk about this beautiful gift box of vodkas?
3: Yes. So that is um, a mini variety pack. So that one, that product there has one uh, flavor of each of our SKUs for the flavored ones.
0: And um, what's like, what's a retail value on that?
3: So that one in Oregon is fifteen ninety-five.
4: Hmm,
0: that's incredibly reasonable. Yeah. 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 What a beautiful gift. Yeah. 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 I would be so happy. Yeah, we first
3: launched those during the holidays last year. And Uh at that time we had seven, but we added on um, another product. So now it has eight different infused products. And that is for all the vodkas.
0: Do you do um, cocktail recipes for these?
3: We do. So those are all on our website at wildrootsspirits.com.
0: Cool. I thought you might. Um, We, before the show, um, got a little eager and sampled some of the raspberry. Yes. um, And some of the gin. And um, I love the gin. I do too. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've just been like gently sipping on it for a while and it's (laughs) lovely. And I I feel like gin isn't always like the most sippable liquor out Mm. there, but this is, it's very smooth and pleasant. And I think, yeah, all the herbal flavors come through nicely and, it's even room temperature, and it's still lovely. So. Right.
3: <laughs> well, good. I'm glad you enjoyed that. But we do have another gin product coming out in the next month, and that's our grapefruit cucumber gin. <gasps> so it's our first infused gin. Um, and so that one is very light. It's refreshing, and it's going to come in time just for the the right months with the, with yes, the summer summary. months. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: you talked before yeah. about the color of these products, and uh, I think it is worth noting that these infused vodkas, you might think of vodka as being clear, these are not clear, they're deeply colored. Um, some, of the, some of the white kind of fruits are, are a little bit less so, but like this raspberry is drenched with color. Um, is that sort of preservation of the color, a natural thing that happens during the infusion or are you having to kind of take great care in the process to maintain that?
3: Um, so the color is because we do a post uh, post-distillation infusion. So we're able to keep a lot of that color, the smell, the feel. Um, all that is able to stay so it's not, uh, say, distilled off. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the color is also there because of the amount of fruit we're putting in yeah. and because we're using real, real fruit.
0: And does that fade over time or does that, um, I imagine you want to store these in the dark, but what, uh, how, do, how, do, how do they hold up?
3: Right, so our products do have a shelf life on these ones. And if it's not opened, it's around a year. Um, if it is opened, it's about three to six months. It's depending on how you're using oh. it. Doesn't mean it's going. That's still bad. really long. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it doesn't necessarily go bad. It just you'll notice a taste difference on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but with using a real product and not having preservatives, um, it should it should have a, a real shelf life to it.
0: Have you tried like hardcore aging any of them?
3: You know the the cherry I've had over time. It was opened and then I came back to eat about eight months later and it was turned into more of like a port tasting one i actually actually liked it quite a bit that sounds good yeah it was
1: i'm into that that. um should we take a quick break um and come back and we'll taste we tasted the raspberry as katie mentioned which was delicious we'll taste a couple more um talk about some of the flavors um yeah yeah i'm having a really like love my job kind of day today. (laughs) thank you (laughs) yeah all right we'll be back after
0: this short break
4: Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Sari Kamen. And I'm Leah Kurtz. And together we host Food Without Borders here on HRN. Immigrants make our food system vibrant, diverse, and delicious. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about how food connects them to their past as we explore what it's like to be an immigrant in the U.S. today. You can find Food Without Borders wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org.
3: My name is Brandon Boyd, co-owner of Roberta's, a super duper awesome place. Roberta's is a very, 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 very proud sponsor of the Heritage Radio Network. We're also super awesome. Thank you, Heritage.
1: Thank you, Roberta's. We're back on HR and Happy Hour. We are with Chris Joseph of Wild Root Spirits and Wild Canna. And during the break, we all just went around and tried some of the CBD gummies. Oh my God! This tastes like lemon meringue pie, and <laughs> it's so good. So Katie had the lemon. Mm-hmm. Your raspberry um, is really good. Mm. Priya, what did you have? I had the raspberry. Raspberry. I had that one too. It's, yummy. it's really mm. yummy. Mm. Hannah, what are you trying over there? I'm trying the lemon too. It's I'm partial. Rory, yeah. what'd you mm. have? Huckleberry.
2: Yeah. How My many first are, son
1: like, how, how
3: many are we allowed to have? Like, what's, like, yeah,
2: like, what's totally the What level? Maria asks, how many are <laughs> how we
0: allowed to have? Right.
3: So each um, each one of our, our uh, CBD gummies are 25 milligrams. And so we view that as the appropriate amount of dosage for a single use. And it really depends on per user, so if, if, you know, if you need to consume more, you can. But this is a broad spec product, so there is no traces of THC, so you're not going to feel high from it. Um, there's still a lot of studies being done, so we can't really stand behind and say this treats uh, depression or, or um, anxiety 100% but as a user of the brand and, and a user of CBD um, I find it helpful for using it to um, deal with any kind of like headaches or body pains um, or help with anxiety or stress
0: um, that they're they're so delicious that it's like okay cool just had one reasonable dose but it is very tempting to like go in and try them all right now
1: Okay, okay what, now what do, I'm Go ahead,
2: what on. do you attribute, like, I've, I've, I've tried a few gummies in my lifetime, and I have to say the <laughs> texture of these is really lovely. It's not, like, sticky. It really tastes like a very elevated dessert as opposed to, like, a, a gummy bear or, you know. I, so I'm curious, like, what is your secret to such a lovely mouthfeel and texture?
3: You know, we've, we've definitely developed a great team at Wild, and we do have a team of food scientists there, and they've worked for months and months and months to really perfect the product and work with not only the fruit, but um, everything that goes into our product and creating that product to make sure it has the perfect uh, result and outcome for our consumers. So it continues to get better. Um, it continues to improve, and that's all just because we want to create a product that's high quality for our consumers. It's
2: lovely.
1: So now we're trying some of the vodkas over here in this corner. Uh, we we're just very busy over drunk here. Drunk corner. Haha! <laughs> <laughs> ha. ha. Uh, we just tried the pear. Thoughts on pear, guys? I love it. Love it. Yeah. It's so like, it's delicate kind of. It's so peary. It's, it's very peary. Yeah, it tastes like biting into a pear. It's, oh, it's so good.
0: It's like better though because you don't get those little...
1: Perry granules.
0: Thing, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm talking about.
1: Okay, hold on to your seatbelt because Peach is coming. Oh jeez, and it's
3: Peach is my um, go-to right now. First, awesome. can
1: I just <laughs> share that
0: my I grew up. Um, my mom would sometimes make, and her we had we had this sweet older friend, and she was German, and she would make this chocolate cake with chunks of pear in it, and she would soak it in poor Williams. And I want to make that with this and soak it Please in that vodka. Yeah, I'm, I'm so hungry mm. for that right now. But the, this is so nice yeah. and fresh pear tasting. Okay, time for peach. Yeah, it's nectar. Oh, it's wow. like
1: nectary. Smell it. Mm. From here.
0: And
3: all it's these like make ambrosia. great cocktails too. And, and yeah. the nice thing about these with having so much flavor with them is they're easy to make one, two cocktails. So... Uh, yeah. for the pear making a pear moscow mule oh. is a great one um uh, with the peach you can do peach lemonade or peach with iced tea that one's great so peach sweet tea you
1: are speaking to my alabama heart yeah <laughs> into it yeah i just it also you could just do them with like some sparkling
3: right, water like very easy yeah it'd be really good
1: with sparkling water. summer just the like this one. is summer yeah yeah,
0: yeah. um Part, part of me just forgot that they were vodka and I was like, Oh, you could just make like a really light soda. Um which you could, but it, it would have it would be a vodka soda. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I forgot that because it was so fruity and delicious.
1: Yeah. The new vodka soda. I feel like college girls should be drinking this.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And they like
1: the fancy ones. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, save yourself
2: <laughs> from the Smirnoff
1: ice. And and oh. yeah. <laughs> and, and the and the like Vodka soda that's like tastes like nothing, so you have to put the lime in it. Like exactly. Okay, we're, we're moving on. Yeah. We're moving up. Let's yes. let's develop our palate early, ladies. Yes, <laughs> level let's, up. Let's get information.
0: formation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that uh, also. Let's replace the tradition of icing with. Wilding. wilding. Mm. yeah, Wilding! wilding. Ah. Wow. I like
2: that. You're welcome.
1: <laughs> yeah. that, that one's to, free, Chris. I
2: might need a trademark, though. That's you get 10% <laughs> of whatever
3: you make off of that. It's trademark. like very
1: kindly <laughs> handing someone a beverage they want to drink. Yeah, That's right. the definition of wilding.
3: Yeah. I feel like you should be wanted to... To yeah. get wild. Absolutely. Yeah. You're not Wilding. like taping into the yeah. top
1: of a toilet seat. No, <laughs> no. Cat <laughs> in My that old sounds job, like experience. that was a thing that actually happened. It still does, man. Momofuku, anytime a chef leaves, yeah. they get iced. And they, they love it, but they hate it. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things. Um, so, what, Chris, what is coming up
4: next?
3: So, definitely the grapefruit cucumber gin. I'll have to keep mm. your eyes yes. out for that. I'll have to bring, bring you some too. Yes, please. Um, You're welcome back anytime. anytime. After that, we have our uh, canned beverages, both for CBD and for liquor. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a line of mixed cocktails pre-made in a can. And so those will be a raspberry lemonade, blackberry lemonade, raspberry lemonade, and just a raspberry or a lemonade vodka. I need to
0: go to the park with those. They're (laughs) light,
3: they're refreshing. Uh, They're low alcohol, so you aren't feeling like you're getting hammered off of one. We want you to be able to enjoy them. Um, And then we're also launching our CBD infused waters. And so those will launch in June as well. So that'll be a raspberry um, soda water type drink.
0: Do you think you might ever go substance-free on a sparkling drink?
3: <laughs> I don't know about that. Hey, yeah. that's <laughs> <laughs> no, boring, Katie. Come sorry. on. I'll keep that little f- Lacroix.
1: So. Um, <laughs> Is it Lacroix or La Croix, or you know, La crotch,
0: as my husband it's calls it's it? It's
1: Lacroix. The executive said it was Lacroix because I spent. I was a French major, so I spent so long correcting people. And then someone was like, "No, like the executives are not French," and they're like, "It's Le Could
0: you could you correct me in your correction voice?
1: I'd be like, "It's Le <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's Le <LaCroix. laughs> <laughs> Um So, kind of t- touching back on something with like CBD being there's a lot of research being done around it right now, and it's obviously booming, and everyone. Wants like a part of the CBD, whether it's a latte or a sparkling beverage or the gummies. So how, how much are you like keeping, you know, your finger on the pulse of like fluctuations between the market and research. And like, do you, do you worry about either one more than the other, as far as how it will affect your business?
3: You know, we definitely, we definitely keep our eyes on all data, uh, whether that's in THC, CBD, or even, even liquor too. Um, but right now we are just focused on creating a premium product that is going back to our values of, of um, using real fruit and ingredients and um, really focusing on delivering that more on a national level.
0: Speaking of national, for our listeners who are in um, states where uh, your products are available and legal, um, what are some of the kind of experiences they can look for in the THC line of edibles?
3: Um, as far as the effects that they'll get from them. Mm-hmm. You know, for the THC ones, uh, there's a product for kind of all all um, situations that you might want, and we have different products for that. So we have one-to-ones, we have sativa we have indica um, and then of course we do micro dosing so that's one of the things we're most known for so we want consumers to always be in control at all times we don't want to make anyone feel uncomfortable or too high so they really get to choose the the amount of, of THC that they want to consume so I always suggest doing one at a time or even doing a half of one seeing what your your dose is and then going from there so we definitely want you to be in control and comfortable and be safe.
1: I don't know if you mentioned this, but the THC gummies are five milligrams, right? Correct.
3: They're five milligrams per. So those. So if you're
1: taking half of one, it's 2.5, right. which is a great sort of like. It's
3: a great starting point. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, kind of on the same vein, like if someone is, you know, from a state that's not, uh, doesn't have legal uh, marijuana yet and they go to Oregon to, and they want to go pick up some wild canna at a shop, what would you like recommend as a starting point?
3: I like doing the um, uh, pomegranate itself, so that one is more of a one-to-one. It's not as strong, um, but also the, the huckleberry is my favorite. Uh, that one definitely has um, a flavor that I, I like most. Yeah.
1: And can you kind of explain the one-to-one, like what, what that means?
3: Yeah, so that's part um, CBD, part THC, so it's not going to be as strong with the THC content. Um, so when you do half of that one, you know it's not going to be, say, as strong as a half of a, just a full THC one. Mm-hmm.
1: All right, um, okay, so any other burning questions on the uh, realm of spirits Canna and on the spirit realm? <laughs> I have a few questions. Hey about guys, we that. have a medium coming <laughs> in now. Uh, we're taking, we're taking this theme in a really weird direction with a medium. Mm-hmm. Um, and our studio is haunted as of this moment, <laughs> as you can hear. <laughs> um, all right. So I think at this point in the show, it is time to do some trivia. And Chris, I don't know if we gave you a fair warning on this or not. Oh, no. But <laughs> don't worry. We have some trivia that Rory has helped me write. And don't worry that uh, other people in the room have not read the trivia. So you have helped. you are not your on team. your own. Got it. All right. we're, we're here for you. I'm also terrible at trivia, so sorry. Um, so this trivia theme is based on, because I feel like it's such a central component to the companies, is the fruit. So we've written some trivia around the flavors and the fruits that are in your products.
3: And I have lifelines? You have friends. all the yeah. lifelines. Okay, we
1: are your lifelines. Any <laughs> lifelines you need. All right, so question number one. <clears throat> Palm Wonderful LLC is a company that sells beverages and fruit extracts best known for their pomegranate juice. In 2011, they paid $1 million for above-the-title billing on the documentary The Greatest Movie Ever Sold. Who was the director of that film?
0: Oh, what?
1: Can you say the last part again? Okay, so this is about pomegranates. Um, <laughs> Palm, the pomegranate juice. We know the pomegranate juice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Palm, yeah. Wonderful. Okay, got it. In 2011, they paid a million dollars to be have above the title billing on the documentary, The Greatest Movie Ever Sold, that was literally a meta film about people paying. It was called The Greatest Movie Ever Sold. Ever sold? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, who directed so it? They did
0: the product placement on the product placement movie. Yep. For a million dollars, who was the director of the product placement movie?
1: Yep. I have yep. no idea. You guys know it. Is, hint?
3: Is Google allowed?
1: No. Okay. The hint is but guessing he is. also directed Super Size Me. Yes. Oh, oh um, Morgan Spurlock. There it is. All right. It gets easier from here, I think. <laughs> that was hard. Does it? Yeah, no, it does. Or is like, I don't know. I think it's harder. Some of these, I was like, I'm not sure like, culturally where they're
2: going to sit with people.
1: No, these were great. These <laughs> are, Rory Hill these questions, they're awesome. Okay. Next question. General Francis Marion was the hero of the American Revolution that the Marion Barry is named after. What was his nickname that alluded to his skills at guerrilla warfare in low-lying terrain? Sense
0: is this there. a rhyming, berry? Does it rhyme with Barry?
1: No, it, the answer's not a berry. It's, a, it's about Marion, who the Marion Barry is named after. Right, I just felt like it should be like a rhyme, like... Barry Harry or something. (laughs) (laughs) What was his nickname for guerrilla warfare skills in low-lying areas? Well, you do like... (laughs) Mare!
0: I don't know. What do you do? In low-lying areas in guerrilla warfare, you like
1: crawl, you are hiding. Sneaky Marion. Sneaky Pete. Mm -hmm. Any revolutionary war fans out there
2: I feel like our mystery guest should know this, and he doesn't.
1: Nope. <laughs> all right. That so
0: That's hard. You thought this was easier than the last question? <laughs> one might be harder. Listen,
2: Rory is That's Irish, like, and he probably Irish. has a better understanding of his national history than all of us Americans, <laughs> who were like, what? Rory's like,
1: all Americans know this
4: one, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, we okay. have a
1: hint, please. That is the hint. Like, the hint was in the question. Yeah, the hint in the it's question. about? He was good at at guerrilla warfare in low-lying terrain. What would low-lying terrain be? Swamps? Yes. Swamp? Swamp. And name an animal that's sneaky. Fox. Swamp fox. Wait, (laughs) what? No way. (laughs) Stop.
3: How did he get that nickname?
1: Because he... Because he was he was like a swamp good job, fox. Anna. Just yeah. call me
3: swamp fox.
1: That's <laughs> yeah. also not a very good nickname. It's it awful. doesn't really roll so off the tongue. If you ever need to rebrand and you swamp you, fox. you can change. Your... No, I'm taking
2: that.
3: Well, dude, swamp fox flavor. Got That's it. my
1: new Instagram handle. <laughs> it's like the next the next like you getting know, iced is uh, wilding, and then it's like I got swamp foxed. My high school
0: was called Marshwood. I feel like there could be some like swamp foxes there. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I feel like I'm gonna find that on like Urban Dictionary or something I, like
1: that. Uh, it's to be a verb too. <laughs> don't look that I up. I don't want it. to either. Don't do that. Don't Google it. All right. Question number three. In what 1993 movie does the fictional character does the fictional character Doc Holliday confront Johnny Ringo by saying, "I'm your Huckleberry"? It's a western. I think it was more
3: like I'm your. Huckleberry. Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard of all Be Your Huckleberry, but yeah. now I don't know the answer to It's
1: that. a Western. I feel like that's also on Urban Dictionary.
3: <laughs> yeah, <it> definitely is.
1: <laughs> Thanks, cemeteries.
2: Is Clint Eastwood in it? Cemeteries. No. What era of... Is it like a spaghetti Western?
1: 1993. So like... 1993? In... What? <laughs> yeah. Dead people. Think cemeteries. Uh, graveyard... Me <laughs> you're close. Clearly no Western fans. Yeah. Uh also think frozen pizzas. Robertus? Do you know it? Tombstone. Tombstone? Oh! Tombstone! Thank you, Mr. <laughs> Rory really wrote some These are I super wrote hard super hard. This,
2: this one I was like, oh, they'll definitely know this. It's too easy. <laughs> yeah. I, looked that this, one? I looked at the scene on YouTube and it had, like, five million views. And I was like, whoa. We are not among the five million. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. A, a Venn diagram of Western fans and, like, podcast fans. Very little crossover, I
4: think. Yeah. It's a good scene, though. There's, yeah. a, there's an a Italian scene. film called
1: <laughs> Cemetery Man. Which is,
0: like, a very hokey zombie movie, which is very good. Highly recommend. Okay. And there's also, uh, <laughs> you know, a food movie that we all love um, that is a Japanese knockoff of a spaghetti western called...
2: Tampopo! Tampopo! That's yeah.
0: true.
1: So that's the extent of my western slash cemetery film knowledge, I guess. All right, question number four. In popular culture, what does the phrase a huckleberry over my persimmon mean? <laughs> I love this question, by the way.
0: <laughs> Whose pop Wait. culture is this? I'd rather not share.
1: <laughs> what does... If I say... Uh, should we do context? Like, uh, Katie, figuring out how to raise a million dollars in a week is a huckleberry over my persimmon. But
2: <laughs> the side
1: it's a little, it's uh, a little much. Oh, persimmon? Yeah. We know what a persimmon I mean, you know what is, right? I know what a yeah. persimmon is. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I,
4: surely. Uh,
1: you never. No. It's like
4: a, It's like.
3: I've never seen one. I
4: guess. If you, we'll
1: eat bring the, one. if you eat a persimmon before it's ripe, it will like make your mouth like pucker up painfully. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. We'll find you some, Rory. Don't worry. <laughs> Wait. Any ideas what that saying means? <laughs> is it just like a a hair too much? Yes, I'm going to give it to you. It okay. means it's a bit beyond my abilities. Hmm. All right. It's a huckleberry over my persimmon. Yeah. Is the persimmon
0: like your noggin? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I don't
1: know if you're supposed to know what that I, means.
0: I'm not sure I would call this <laughs> pop culture. Wait, are huckleberries <laughs> not <less laughs> Un-pop. Are
3: <laughs> higher than a persimmon naturally? I wouldn't know, obviously. Well, Maybe. huckleberries
0: grow near the ground oh, and persimmons okay. grow in a tree. Oh, that's weird. So, a huckleberry would only be over your persimmon
1: if the persimmon fell.
0: I think you're overthinking it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: And next question. All right, last question. Last question.
1: Strawberry Shortcake is a cartoon character originally used in greeting cards, but was later known from TV and film. What is her cat's dessert sounding name?
2: (laughs) (laughs) All of these are in her dictionary, and it's not good.
1: <laughs> I've, we've never had trivia go, go off the rails <laughs> this much. Is it like whipped cream? Uh, close. Pudding? It's something that they serve at Shake Shack. A shake?
0: Oh, uh,
2: uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yes. oh. uh, isn't it a yay? I think mean, we all just <laughs> failed miserably. So rough. Those were pretty hard. I'm sorry, there are like Chris, 100 we, people in this room We don't realize like, uh. it like this ruthless. Uh,
0: but you actually, our trivia is always really hard. Rory
2: was out I, for was blood. Particularly <laughs> ruthless. I was just going on what you said. Like I didn't, I have no context for the trivia. that You were like, I was like, right trivia. Make sure loosely based on something, but make exactly. it, no, like make it as really much hard. No, Rory,
1: <laughs> you did You've done well. You did great. Okay. You did great. It's meant to be insane.
2: So now that we've hazed you, thank you so much for coming.
1: <laughs> Chris, it's been
0: really a joy having you on HR and Happy Hour. Yeah, and, thank you. And uh, we're really excited to share some of these infused vodkas. We probably won't share the gummies because we're gonna have them no. all for ourselves.
3: They're, right. they're really I hope good. You enjoy them. Um,
0: but thank you, and uh, we're very excited to check out your new cucumber yeah. and grapefruit
3: jam. Yes, yeah, so I'll have to give you guys some of that. Yes, please. And thank you for having me. Thank I appreciate you. Thank it. Thank you. I'm so
1: glad that you've been on HRN now, it was
3: and a lot of fun.
1: Uh, we'll have to connect with you when we're in Portland. Absolutely. Yes, we will be there in September, if not before.
3: Perfect time. Yes.
1: Awesome.
0: All, all right. right, that's been our show. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next Thursday because, no, we won't. It's break. Just kidding. Unless we'll, unless we do. We might see you. You know us. We pop in. We <laughs> pop out. But we'll be back um, at the very latest. We'll be back week of May 7th, which is when our new season begins. Uh, check out the full lineup of shows at heritageradionetwork.org. Don't forget, it's almost summer membership drive time, so please don't forget to become a member of early by visiting heritageradionetwork.org. I org I'll donate. bother
2: you less if you yeah. do not I mean, just if you want
0: Hannah to call you like endlessly, you could just wait. But it would just really uh, be wonderful if you would become a member soon. And we will thank you personally and uh, really look forward to having you in the HRN family. So, I write
2: a lovely thank you note.
0: She does. In case you're wondering. <laughs> she does. Learn for yourself. If you designate HRN happy hour, we'll all send you a special message. Oh,
1: for
4: sure.
0: Yeah. So uh, it's so cryptic. <laughs> it, whatever it is, it's gonna be special. Thank you in advance for your support. And uh the more you can help us during that summer membership drive, the less we'll have to bother you in the fall. So thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of HRN Happy Hour. And, uh, in the meantime, remember to check out the archive and subscribe and don't forget to subscribe to meet and three. If you're not already listening, because there you will hear a, um, similar team as you hear on HR and happy hour. Um, but really focusing on a lot of different stories, all crammed into a short 15 minute burst that you can listen to on your walk to the train or whatever you do yes, when you get to and giggling, from your places, just as good, just slightly. Cool. All right. That's our show. See you next time.
4: You won't, unless we're real fucked up Let's drink the night all the way, all the way I was told a million times that I No hope, I was told a
1: thousand that I ain't No keep
3: going
1: HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com slash heritage.
4: Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter.